Blog Talk Radio. And all the world is football shape. It's just for me to kick Alright, welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Brandt. He's Keith Kokinda. This is the Yellow Card Podcast brought to you by Global Scars. As you guys have been seeing on the Global Scars Twitter feed, I I was picked as the non I wanna call me a celebrity, even though in my own mind I probably already am. Um non employee <laughs> <use> <laughs> yeah, non employee picker for Global Scars for the MLS and I'm and for some reason I'm not losing that badly, even though I picked D C United two to one last game. <sighs> Yeah, that was pretty close. Not, uh, pretty close. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think there's anything on the line for this. I mean, uh, anyway, it, it was fun for them to reach out. I, I and I, I kind of pushed it. So, anyway, hopefully, calling in pretty soon is um, formal, former NASL coach and player Alan Hinton, and he will pro- we'll probably poke him and ask him enough questions about Brian Clough. He played for him at he played for him at Derby, so. We'll yeah, when I talked to him, I said, I said, well, I said, hopefully I'll have time to get a good cluffy story or three. He said, sure, whatever you want. So, yeah, yeah Alan Hinton, I can't wait to hit him with the fact that this whole this is not the first time he's heard my voice. <laughs> I've got this would be an interesting reaction. <laughs> I tell him that story. Oh, it should be fun. And also, we're, I'm also running to see like the new father. Well, he's not quite a newish father. Um, his son, Jacobson Bourne, has been around for about a month, month and a half now. But Ryan's been wanting to come on for a couple of weeks. So he'll come in when he gets off of work in about a half hour. And we'll, we'll talk mostly MLS and all that. And ho- hopefully hopefully, Alan calls here and not Keith's phone because yeah. we've had that happen on this I- Yes, yeah. a couple. Times. Well, that happened. That happened once before, but that was because we had a, a little. There was a technical follow up in terms of getting uh, getting the call through. Uh, one little news bit here to start with. Uh, Hope Solo, for those wondering, she appeared in court today in Kirkland, Washington. Uh, she pleaded not guilty to two counts of fourth degree domestic violence assault charges that were from her arrest back in June. Uh, her next court date will be January sixth. The trial will begin January 20th. This is coming from the Seattle Times, as well as KIRO-TV Channel 7, the CBS affiliate in uh, Seattle. I want to make sure I give a shout-out to Alex Burnley up there in Seattle at KIRO. He's at the morning show director up there. He gave me a few updates here and there, and uh, made sure I got the link to the uh, story earlier. So that's where that stands. Uh, The only... The one interesting thing I found in this, and I don't, I don't know, lawyers, I don't claim to understand, but there's, uh, there was a motion that was granted there where uh, the two alleged victims, Solo's half sister and her nephew, uh, will be deposed. Uh, they had, uh, according to Solo's attorney, Tom Maybron, those two had previously refused to be interviewed uh, with the court stenographer present. So this is going to be a little bit more formal. Uh, interview in the form of a deposition that they will be uh, undergoing uh, as part of the trial. So that's uh, that stand, stands. Uh, that's where we stand on that one. So no, kind of, there was nothing in the story or any other story find where there was any kind of comment uh, from uh, anybody connected with U.S. Soccer. Now, speaking of which, our special guest has just arrived. It's Alan Hinton. He works on Seattle Sounders uh, broadcast. He spent many years as a player both in England and North America, most notably uh, at Derby County, as Steve mentioned there, where he played for the legendary Brian Clough. Uh, a couple of uh, league uh, championship winners medals uh, with Derby County in 1972 and 1975. And a man who was way ahead of the curve back when he was playing, late 60s and early 70s, he wore white boots. Okay. <laughs> and I got to ask you, Alan, Brian Clough, how did he respond to that when he saw you wear white boots for the first time? Do you know what? I never really thought about it much, but when I started to think back about uh, the white boots, I suddenly realized, because I'm writing a book, you know, and uh, I'm about two-thirds of the way through it, and, of course, well, if it's going to be about Cloughy and some of the tricks he got up to and the great times we had uh, playing in England and coming to America, but I think... 
I think he told the players to leave me alone and not talk about the white boots. Because <laughs> you know what? I mean, the opposition players, the opposition fans used to sort of make fun of me with the um, with the white boots on. Uh, and my own players, who were great people and funny, funny, and they loved the good jolly up in the locker room, they never mentioned the white boots. And I am convinced more than ever now that Cluffy said, leave him alone, because if you upset him, he won't play very well. You know, because well, I was a winger. It, 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 I was a winger, and wingers tend to be a bit right. sensitive. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it obviously worked. 63 goals and 253 domestic matches for Derby County. That's not bad. Anyway, uh, you, you mentioned coming to North America. You came here right at the uh, kind of at the uh, the midst of the first great American soccer boom in the mid to late seventies, while well, played for Dallas Tornado and Vancouver Whitecaps. When you look back at the game, when you first arrived, compared to now, did you have any idea back then that it would come this far in this short span of time? Uh. I was hoping so. Uh, I will tell you this: that in the first few years, and I did, I did play for Dallas in '77. And being really honest with you, it was not difficult. Uh, you had fullbacks who you, uh, the teams had to play two North Americans in the starting lineup, and most coaches tried to hide the fullbacks uh, as Americans at right fullback. And, of course, I was the big, uh, you know, I was a left winger, so I had a lot of fun because these guys used to run in at you and they didn't know how to stop and, and jockey you and uh, slow you down. They'd just run it. So I'd just go, thank you very much. In goes another close goal. Uh, but, you know, then I used to go back to England and they used to say, what are you doing in America with those turkeys? They haven't got a clue on soccer. And, but they don't do that now because they know how far the game's come. And all England and all Europe, I've just been in Europe for nine weeks this summer uh, with my wife. We're married 50 years now, so that was a big uh, achievement. But they all appreciate what's going on in America, all the fans, and they, they tend to watch uh, Major League Soccer games over there because you can pick up a lot of the games, you know, uh, in Europe now. Uh, and the standard of play is remarkably better and can do better. But I'm so happy the the progress it's made, uh, the game in America, because it's been a long time coming. But I think it'll get better in the next few years now. So I think there's a very good base. And I think Major League Soccer is here to stay. Uh, the infrastructure in the league is good. And the future looks very, very bright for me. Yeah. And that echoes something we've heard a lot from other people who've had on the show, in particular Russ Goldman uh, up in Boston, who hosts uh, Cottage Talk, which is a podcast on Fulham FC, and he's talked about he has a lot of people who log in and listen to his show who are from England, and they have said there is a considerable amount of interest uh, in MLS in England. So that that and all these clubs that come over here for their preseason training, I think, speaks to that oh, as well. well there, there, is, there, is, there is, Keith, there is that. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure Alan's seen it. Um, MLS UK, it's, um, it's, a, it's a site uh, written about the MLS I think it's based on a. I think it's based on London, but there's a there's a guy I know, um, Andrew Watson. I've had to try tried to have on from here. He's from Edinburgh, who's come over to be a, was going to be the Chivas rider, but since they're no more, right? Mm-hmm. And I follow their Twitter as well. That's that's. Uh, what is, what is it like when you go back over and say you're with Se- you're you've been with Seattle for so long? I mean. What what is the cash game? Because I know in America we have a lot of love for um, the Cascadia teams. What what do other people say when you say you're you're working with the Sounders? I mean that's a that's a fun environment up there. Well, it really is, and I think you know I've been in Seattle for thirty five years now, and I've I've been involved with the game uh, every year since I've been here, and, and frankly there was times when you you wanted to pack up and go back to England where there was real soccer but it's it's been a lot of fun and to see the way the crowds are now and to see the professionalism of the Sounders I mean the coach uh, Ziggy Smith and his coaching staff they're just wonderful people and uh, they're great with the fans uh, Ziggy runs good practices uh, they made huge changes this year and I supported that and uh, uh, they finished up with the best record in the league so 
45,000 average, sometimes touching as high as 65,000, means that all the work that was done yesteryear, uh, don't forget the, the Sounders, the Portland the Timbers, and the Vancouver Whitecaps all joined the North American Soccer League in 1974. So we've all three clubs had a 40-year uh, celebration this year. So I think the past keeping the names of the old, very, very popular uh, teams from the past has been a home run. But the Sounders also did something really magical. Uh, they got involved in a partnership with the Seattle Seahawks, who really are the darlings of Seattle. They sell out every NFL game, and the partnership with the Seahawks and the Sounders was absolutely brilliant because, A, we used their field, and secondly, every single member of the Seahawks staff was on board with the Sounders as well as the Seahawks. And that was a magical move by, by the, the general manager, Adrian Hanau, for the Sounders. So there's been a lot of great things happen here. But every time I go to a game, and sometimes I'll go with the great Jimmy Gabriel, who coached here, who played in Everton, and we'll look behind the goal, and we'll see the crowd, and we'll just go, oh, my goodness me, what's going on? It's marvelous. And incidentally, the last five or six, seven, eight games, I've been behind the goal in front of the, 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 the Emerald City Supporters Club, and I've been singing a song uh, to them on the mic. And, and here's the song. <laughs> we got the best team in the land. 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 And this was before we were the best team in the land. And, of course, now we've got the Supporters Shield. We've got to go on to the Cup now. Yeah, you've got the you've got the domestic, domestic double already with the U.S. Open Cup as well as the uh, support. That's right. So we we're going for the threesome this year. But the, the momentum is yeah. the, the momentum is with the team. Uh, the team's happy. Uh, we had a good result in Dallas on Sunday, one-one. Uh, we now bring Dallas back here next Monday. There'll be a huge crowd. And if we tie zero-zero, we won't be looking for a tie. We'll be looking for a win. But. Uh, Major League Soccer has now finally adopted uh, uh, European Champions League uh, way goal right. counting double if it comes to be the, the yes. deciding factor. Yes, and uh, that, that's, I was going to ask about that in, in a second here. We'll get some more on that. And if I do, I want to drop a little trivia on you. I want to go back about 30 years when your first season uh, coaching uh, indoor with the Tacoma Stars. Uh, you 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 have heard my voice once before. You don't know it. You probably don't remember, but you did about 30 years ago. Your first season with the Stars. First time you came to Cleveland to play the old Cleveland Force, I was the one singing the Star Spangled Banner that night before the game. You're so, kidding me. I'm oh, actually wrong. If, if you sang the Star Spangled Banner uh, for the Cleveland yeah. Force with the, with the owner being as fussy as he was, you must have been good. Uh, Yes, he, you, well, you're right. He was fussy, but uh, yes, I was good, if I may say so myself. So <laughs> no, that was a great that franchise. Under. That was a great franchise. It was. It was a wonderful franchise. It's a shame things ended the way they did. But getting back to the results of the playoffs, you mentioned you know, the one-one draw uh, in in Dallas, and with the away goals rule being what it is, uh, obviously the Sounders got to feel pretty good coming home. But also. You just mentioned about having you know, you know a zero zero draw be good enough to get you through uh, to the next round. Uh, this is a similar situation to what you had in the last regular season game, where a draw would be enough to get you the supporter shield. Is that going to be uh, uh, helpful uh, to the Sounders going into the second leg Monday night? I, th I think the Sounders are a different club this year. It's a much mature club, more mature than it's been, and it's been six years now. This is our sixth year. Uh, there's a maturity about the team. There's a maturity about the whole club. Uh, I think it, the first five years, yeah, we did make the playoffs, but we weren't all that sure about how we were going to do. We were consistent sometimes, inconsistent others. Some players worked out in the first five years. Some didn't. Uh, now I think the policy of the club, which 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 really is the way to be, is I don't think the club wants any players here who don't want to be here. And, you know, if you want to be here and you're good players and, you, and you'll work hard and you'll do a good job in the community, I think, you know, the coaching staff in the front office like that kind of personality. But, you know, it's been a great year. We, we, we had 64 points. LA had 61. 
uh, way more than uh, than DC and New England in the East. So I think it's going to be a, a, a great playoffs. Uh, you know, I'm just so pleased with the team this year. I mean, Obafemi Martins had a had a decent season, 2013. This year, right from training camp, and I was there in Tucson with the team. You could see he was a different man. He was, you know, I had dinner with the team every night. He was falling on the floor laughing at some of the skits they were doing with the younger players, and he seemed content, and he seemed happy, and it showed in his play. I mean, the guy's got 17 goals, 13 assists. He's, he's a contender for MVP of the year, and, and, he's, and he's played well, but the partnership between Clint Dempsey and Obafemi Martins has been the highlight of the year, plus great, great defending from Chad Marshall and others at the back, and of course, you know, we've got DeAndre Yedlin that the club sold uh, to Tottenham, effective at the end of this season. He's had another great year for us, and, you know, he played a few games in the World Cup as a young kid. So I think, you know, the, the club's doing really well. It's got a great academy. It's producing players, and there's more players coming through because it's always been a great area for producing players, Seattle has. So I think the playoffs are very interesting, and I think, there's a, there's a quiet confidence about the Sounders, but it's not easy. You know, I mean, you know, we if we beat Dallas, we'll probably come up against Los Angeles. And we're very, very close with Los Angeles in terms of talent. So, you know, yeah. that will be one yeah, hell of a game. Sure, that, yeah, that certainly showed in that last regular season game because Los Angeles got a goalless draw uh, with Real Salt Lake in Salt Lake City. Uh, so you have to say, you know, at least, you know, not conceding in a way goal is, it's not the ideal result, but it is, especially since they didn't score, but they at least have the knowledge knowing that they have that they can just get, you know, a draw that would be good enough uh, to get them through uh, into the second round for Real Salt Lake. Galaxy, on the other hand, as you said, you, you have to think they're going to look to come out and put try to put that one to bed as early as possible. Uh, on the flip side, though, uh, New England, Coming here to Columbus and with a 4-2 win over the crew, that uh, to me that was the surprise result of, of last weekend. Bob, what do you think? Well, I agree with you. I think Columbus have had a, had a good year, uh, but but to lose 4-2 to at home is is a, is a shocker. And yeah. uh, New England have had a wonderful year. I mean, same as DC. I mean, you know, both in many ways a turnaround situation. Uh, but the the big surprise or the big the big uh, top team in, in in Major League Soccer in the East is clearly going to be New York because when they want to play, and I'm saying want to play, sometimes they don't want to play. Sometimes Henri will not play. Sometimes Alave will not play. Sometimes Cahill will not play. And once, but now the playoffs are here, and there's there's very strong rumours that that this is going to be Henri's last year. He'll want to go out with a trophy. So I can yeah. see New England winning the East because they'll want to play now they're in the playoffs. Yeah, and I'll read it. And if, if it does come down to New England and New York, uh, that would certainly give New England a bit of an advantage because Henri uh, obviously uh, doesn't like playing on the turf up there uh, in Fox. Hey, 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 oh, I doubt he, you know what? I doubt he can play. He, played, he doesn't want to play on turf. No. How come he played in the All Star game in uh, Portland? Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's that's true. He that, that's an all-star game. That's a little different. Like, no, no, but, but I mean, you know, that is just tells me that he picks and chooses what he wants to do. And I, and I think he is a great player. He's had a wonderful career. Uh, I admire him very much, but I I don't admire the fact that he likes to do things the way he wants. And sometimes you get the feeling that you get sometimes get the feeling that he's not a complete team player. But now the playoffs are here; it's a different story. Exactly. This is the Yellow Card Card Podcast brought to you by Global Scarves. Uh, Globalscarves.com is their website. Also follow them on Twitter at Global Scarves. We got uh, myself, Keith Kokind, along with Stephen Brandt. Alan Hinton is our special guest, and Ryan Seelock has uh, just jumped on. Ryan, uh, welcome aboard. Uh, nice to see you here again. Uh, how's Father treating you? Well, anyway. Hey, I'm Keith, it's Ryan. not Ryan. Uh, it's, Chris, it's Chris Block. My mistake. Chris Block. Can I get an edge? 
we're doing edgewise on yeah, that you're, you're, that, you're next, Steve. I just want to make sure Chris got in. So, so Steven, go ahead. Okay. I, when, I, when I was one, I saw I saw you on Twitter today talking about Liverpool and and watching the game. I, I was wondering, do you see a lot of players just not trying anymore? It's like the game has gotten the stardom has gotten too big for these. The players have gotten too big in their own heads. Oh, yeah, absolutely right. I mean, you know, in my day, we'd play 42 games regular season. We'd play cup games, and uh, Derby County, we won, the, we won the big league two times. So that was when just the champions of the division played in the European uh, Champions League. But we didn't worry about resting. We didn't worry about travel. If, if I had gone to my uh, uh, coach, Brian Clough, and said, uh, hey, boss, I'm uh, feeling a bit tired, he'd say, you know the problem you've got? You're not fit. And he'd, he'd order you to do two-a-day practices for a week. And so, number one, you didn't want to go and tell him you were tired. Number two, you didn't want somebody else to take your job. But today it's a different story. I mean, I played at Real Madrid. It's the most wonderful experience you'll have, a player can ever have in his life. But to leave Gerard and uh, Sterling and other players on the bench... You know, when you're fighting to... What what do you do in the league? Mainly in the league, you're trying to get into the Champions League and the top four qualify or top five. Liverpool broke their necks last year and I, I was sorry they didn't win the league because I am a big Liverpool fan, but they bother me right now. The Balotelli situation, uh, the coach seems to be tinkering all the time with different lineups. Gerrard's uh, probably going to play his last year for Liverpool. And for them to play in Real Madrid today and leave key players on the bench because they're playing Chelsea uh, next week, they've got no chance of catching Chelsea this year. Chelsea's a much better team than Liverpool. We all know that. But the big thing is Real Real Madrid's a fantastic team. And I felt the fans that went from Liverpool to Madrid today, and it's not cheap to play there, even though you get a non-stop from Liverpool to Madrid, they'd be insulted by the fact that their best player didn't play. And then, for the most part, Real Madrid hammered Liverpool and could have got four to five goals. You know, the game was a lovely game. Real Madrid played super soccer. But, but in the end, one nothing really flattered Liverpool, didn't it? Well, Alan, this is Chris Gluck. Um, I live in Portland, Oregon. I did a bit of football coaching when I was in England for a short period of time. But in, in thinking about the Liverpool-Madrid game, do you, do you think maybe Rodgers is going into that game thinking, you know, at the end of the day, there's just not a whole lot to be made for the Champions League? But, but that's what they work so hard for. I mean, if he'd have got yeah. a draw today or something, yeah. I mean, why didn't why didn't he stick Balotelli in that? It's a big, it's a big, it's a big deal playing at Real Madrid. I mean, the world out of all the games today, which one did you choose to watch? This was the game today. Real Madrid against Liverpool was the huge game, and there was probably how many games? At least four games, Champions League games today. But this was the one. There were probably a hundred thousand there, eighty thousand there, or whatever. This, this, the lineup he put out. There was no, he didn't have a striker on the field, and, and for me, well, I was embarrassed. And uh, you know, but I agree with you. I mean, what's he trying to accomplish? I think he's changing his mind every week, and I think he's struggling a bit, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, uh, said, I mean, they just lost to Newcastle as well, right? That's right. That's exactly and, right. And, I mean, Alan Pardew was like two minutes and two seconds from getting sacked by the entire yep, yep. Newcastle <laughs> fan base. But, you know, I, I mean, not to pick out Liverpool particularly, but, you know, I mean, they got thrashed by Real yep. at the cop. Absol- and, absolutely. It, you know, absolutely. I mean, I mean, maybe he's just basically thrown in the towel and he was just... I mean, obviously, hey, nobody's going to do that. Would you answer me a question which bothers me? Because you follow me on Twitter, and I like to, I like to debate on Twitter. Because I'm, I'm 72. I'm, I'm, I'm well retired. I have a good life. But the big deal is I study coaches, and I want them all to do well. Don't get me wrong. But there's always people who struggle. And I'm always playing the game of, okay, coach, what are you going to do now? And, and it drives you know, me crazy. It drives me crazy when coaches continually keep bringing on a player who's got a bad reputation because the egos, I can sort him out, I'll get him to play for me. Well, I've got news for most of these coaches that bring on these trouble players. The leopard rarely changes the spots. And there's two ways they change the spots. One is 
tragedy in the family, or they get married. Generally well, speaking, they, they do not change. Balotelli uh, could cost Brendan Rodgers his job. Well, yeah. You made the perfect point, Alan, though. You, you, you get into that top four because that's what you want. You want that Champions League spot. You want that chance to play at Real Madrid. That's, what, that's the big deal. That's the payoff to getting into those top four spots. Because it's an honor just to walk onto that pitch against them, regardless of the result. So, so you're playing Real Madrid, arguably the best club in the world. What do you have to lose? Why are you holding back? I, I, can't, I just can't fathom. You, you talk about Brian Clough there. I can't fathom Cluffy going into a situation like that and deliberately weakening his squad just because, okay, they beat us at home so badly. I just, it doesn't make sense at all to me. And we see the same thing here uh, in America with the U.S. Open Cup, too. I agree with that as well. I, I, you know, for me, uh, most of the teams today, they, they, they go in two, three days before the game, and uh, uh, they still complain about being tired. Every player is uh, wired up, uh, every practice, every game, how far you run, how fast your heart was going, how many passes you completed, incomplete or not. And I, I think... They're taking it too far. I mean, I, 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 I'm reasonably close with the coach of the Sounders, Ziggy Smith, and all I say to Ziggy is, what about your eyes and what about your gut? Isn't that, isn't that really where you pick the team from? Like the left back, you might say, he's my guy. He didn't play particularly well tonight. His numbers didn't look too good, but he's still my guy because I know what's inside of him. You know what I mean? And, and, and for me, that's what it's all about. But, Everybody today seems to make excuses like we've had too many games. We've we've had four games in uh, in twelve days and all that kind of stuff. Well, I've got news for you. We used to have four games in twelve days on very very muddy fields, and we rarely got injured. Yeah, what you were playing on in many cases definitely was not what you saw, what you see uh, today. Uh, you know, even at the, even some of the like second-tier clubs uh, in, in England and the rest of Europe, it, it's certainly a lot better uh, playing conditions than what you saw back in your day. I'm sure, yeah, I've seen I've seen videos from you know the matches in the late '60s, early '70s, that on the field it was it was a brown field. I you, you, it was mud with patches of grass here and there. Hey, Brian Club, I will t- tell you a story. When we played at Benfica in the quarterfinals of the Champions League 1972, we played Benfica. And with Eusebio and some very good players, uh, the field was quite dry. So about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, Brian Clough instructed the the groundsman, Bob Smith, close the the doors, put on the host pipes on the field. And by about 6 o'clock, the the field was flooded and Cluffy was thrilled because he knew we we liked to play in the mud. I think that's what happened for the next hour. It rained like crazy. There was a thunderstorm. It rained like crazy. I don't know if the referee let that let let that game go. I don't know. Check it out. It's on uh, it's on YouTube. Benfica against Derby, and we we beat them three nothing. And but I tell you what, I don't know if the ref allowed the game to go on. But the the problem was, it was a beautiful afternoon, and he decided to saturate the field and 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 they are the kind of tricks that people could get away with in those days but these fields today are pristine they're flat they're like billiard tables they really are spectacular i mean really oh it sounds like a crash davis in the movie bull durham i didn't get us the rain out <laughs> that's, a great, that's great i was hoping we'd get a couple of good cluffy stories in then speaking of which you you went into managing uh after you were done playing uh how how much of an influence on the way you coach and the way you see coaches today was influenced by Brian Clough? Well, I was very much influenced by him because uh, a lot of little tricks he used to pull, like, for instance, uh, he didn't overtrain us, and he used to say, we're not leaving all of our energy on the practice field. Uh, and sometimes if we were having a good run in about September, October, he'd say, okay, guys, see you on Wednesday after the game on Saturday, and we'd say, now, boss, we want, let's come in on Monday or Tuesday. Listen, you'll thank me in March when you, you've got all this energy and the other teams are tired and we'll, we'll win the league. And we did. And, and, and round about March time, he'd say, see, those days I gave you off, he said, uh, 
uh, you know, it's look, it's paying off now. And then the other thing you would do at the end of the season, Derby County players, all expenses paid for by the club, we used to go to Mallorca for 10 days. No wives, just the players. And we'd, we'd have a few drinks and have fun and on the beach and everything. And uh, if we lost a game in February, he'd come in and he'd say, hey, guys, let's face it. I can't go to the chairman and ask him for the money for Mallorca if you don't keep winning. And then the senior players who probably enjoyed going to Mallorca better than the younger players, we'd grab all of the young players and say, look, we want to go to Mallorca. So we'd have a team meeting amongst ourselves and we'd start winning and then we'd go to Mallorca, which we all had a great time. But he played all those kind of tricks. And then we used to play against Arsenal. And that's, that's on YouTube. Uh, Arsenal, Derby County 5, Derby County nothing. And... Peter Taylor, the assistant coach, who was quite marvellous. He was a good partner with uh, Brian Clough. He used to wait in the corridor for, for Bob Wilson, the Arsenal goalkeeper, and he'd say, Hello, Bob, how are you? He said, I just want you to know, Bob, Alan Hinton's playing today. Because they used to cross all these balls, and he just wanted to remind him to put it in his head that my crosses would drive him crazy, and, uh, and they did. But, well, Peter Taylor, was a, Peter Taylor was a goalkeeper too, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, Peter Taylor yeah, was... He would know now, have you seen the movie Damned United? I have seen oh, yeah. it, yes. And I oh, man, that. Yeah, many times. That's yeah, amazing, but the, the, last, the last scene is not true. No, well, there were a lot... The last, the last, scene, of... the last scene when Cliff got on his knees to Taylor. Yeah. No yeah. way. Well, there, no well, way was... would he have done that. Yeah, but well, in the end... Was... At the end of that movie, they should do a, a follow-up, you know, because they went to Forest and they cleaned up there, didn't they? Right. Well, they did do a little vignette showing clips of uh, Brian Clough, the real Brian Clough, showing how he went to Forest, won the European Cup twice. And the one thing, and I'm glad you mentioned it, because the one thing, first of all, Ryan Seelock, new dad, is finally here. Ryan, welcome aboard. We've got Alan Hinton uh, as our special guest tonight. Hey, hey. Can I ask a question on my show, hey. guys? You know, you know, I, I am the one that's the host here, so can I? Yes. Can I please, well, can I please buddy? You know, go ahead. After, after go ahead. Um, yeah, I, go I, was, ahead. I was wondering, Alan, I, I was wondering with this, there is the previous, there's the, there's the thought of, the popular media thought of what Brian Clough is, and there's what you see. How how off are we on who Brian Clough really was? You mean that, uh, how was he? Uh, how he really was as a person? How viewed in the yeah? How is he like? How fans view him and how you view him? How far off are the fans from who Brian Clough really was? Well, I think I think over the years, even the people who didn't like him, because you got to understand, we we were deep in the Midlands, in the middle of England, and there was many clubs: Wolves, Forest, Birmingham, Villa, Stoke. All the publicity was was they they, they got drawn to Brian Clough because he'd bring him into the office, he'd fill him up with booze, he'd tell him stories, he'd, he'd give him great things to write about, and 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 because of that, and particularly down south with the Chelsea's and the Tottenham's and the Arsenal's, they really didn't like Clough because this was this small little big club, Derby County. Winning everything. I mean, we beat Tottenham five, and we beat Arsenal five, and we beat Manchester United at Manchester United. And, you know, we were this little club. It'll never happen again where a little club like Derby will win the league because now it's about huge money like Manchester City's got and Chelsea's got, and Arsenal's got some decent money but don't always seem to spend it in the best way. But, you know, uh, Clough was... And then he went and did it again at Forest. Uh, you know, he was an incredible man. He loved Bill Shankly. And when we played at Liverpool, Clough, Brian Clough would bring Bill Shankly into our into our locker room to talk to our players. And it, it, was, it was lovely. I mean, you know, and he, he'd, he'd always have a trick up his sleeve. Like, like one time we played at Fulham in the, the in the Texaco Cup, I think it was, pre-season. It was so hot in London, like it tends to be first game of the season. In comes the waiter with a tray of beer. And he said, everybody, you drink this beer, then you'll, you'll feel better with the heat. So I, I said, boss, I can't drink any beer. He says, have a drink. So I had half a pint of beer, 
20 minutes into the game, substitute, he pissed me off. Because, he, you know, he said, what's up with you? I said, I shouldn't have had that damn beer. You know, but, I mean, he'd start laughing. And, you know, he, he'd go into Europe with him and we'd always have fun. And he'd, he'd make people do things. And uh, he'd tell us to do this and try and put restrictions and curfews on us. And then sometimes we'd, if, if he was unreasonable, we'd disobey him. And then the next day he'd say, why didn't you go to bed at 10 o'clock last night? And uh, we'd, we'd say, boss, come on, boss. We, you know, it's too early. We, we don't play for a week. And he'd start laughing, you know, because he was always trying to push push us harder and harder. But he was the, he was the complete boss. Uh, his motivational speeches before the games, his, his ability to go on the television and sell Derby County Football Club was immense. And tactically, a lot of the people thought he didn't know what he was doing, but he was way ahead of the game. He didn't like the English FA coaching scheme, and I'm not surprised because look how that's turned out very badly. We were in Egypt one time playing a, a game on behalf of the English Football Association, and Alan Wade was with us as a representative of the FA, and he was reading his coaching book around the pool. And our players, we, we were there just to have fun, and we were having a few beers. And then one of the players went to Alan Wade and said, Hey, Alan, why don't you throw that coaching book in the pool, come to Derby for a couple of weeks, and we'll teach you how to win some games. And and that's the way we were. We were we were larger than life. We, we, we knew how to win. We knew how to prepare. We knew how to have fun. And that's what it's all about. It's not all about X's and O's and, and watching videos. It's all about building a team that all want to be on the same page, a good left back, a good right back, a good uh, center mid, a good striker, a good goalkeeper, understanding what it's all about. And that's what Clough was the best at. And he knew when to sign a player. He always looked for a player who was not happy at the club that he was with, and then he'd sign him because he knew he could turn him into a top player. He did that with me, and he did it with many others, but uh, he, he was a genius, no question about it. So, hey, well, Alan, like, this is... Chris, I've got a question for you on ahead, um, Balotelli. Now, what you've just... And, you know, I've seen Damien United, and, and I actually got to see Clough coach Forrest when I was in England for, wow. for about 10 years, but... Um, Brendan Rodgers picked up Balotelli. Do you think that was the potential for Brendan Rodgers to try to pull a Brian Clough, Peter Taylor? Because Balotelli doesn't fit the scheme that Suarez fit. He he was more of a finesse striker, and then Balotelli's got a reputation. And, you know, sometimes he's on, sometimes he's not. Do you, do you kind of think maybe that might have been Rodgers' way of looking to emulate uh, cluffy a bit? Well, to be fair, I mean, to Brendan Rodgers, he's got a total uh, list of managers before him that were unbelievable. Dalgleish did a good job. Uh, Paisley yeah. did a good job. Bernie Fagan, uh, not Bernie Fagan, Fagan did a good job. Joe Fagan. Uh, and, of course, Shankly was the prince of them all. Uh, a quick Shankly story. Let's do this one. So Shankly signed Emlyn Hughes from Blackpool. And on the way from Blackpool to Liverpool, he's got Emlyn in the car. He gets pulled over by the police. And he kept saying, look, I'm Bill Shankly from Liverpool. And, uh, you know, you're going to get... And the, the policeman insisted on giving him a ticket. So when he realized he couldn't uh, get, the, get off with the ticket, he said to the policeman, come with me, I want to in introduce you to somebody. He said, I want you to meet Emlyn Hughes. He's the next captain of England. And I guess what? He was. But that's Shankly non-stop motivation, getting people happy. And, you know, Brendan Rodgers at Liverpool, everybody's trying to build him into the same uh, type of coach, successful, that the others have been there. And, I mean, Julier was there. He did a good job. Benitez did a good job. But the bottom line is that he's, he needs to do, he needs to put three, four, five years together where he's winning something. Uh, you know, Dalbridge yeah. won the cup, but he got fired. Now, he yeah, seems, I, I don't know Brendan Rodgers, but he seems to have a really big ego. I think there was a piece on Fox where they went into his yeah. house, and you go in the front door, there's a huge portrait of himself. Uh, I mean, hey, I, I got a nice house, but I don't have a huge portrait of me in the house, do you? <laughs> I mean, and, and apparently, he's had his teeth done as well, and he, he's always got his hair all the nice, and... 
Uh, Is he got I his subcaps in the front porch? I don't know. I don't know what he's got. But I mean, I, 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 love, I love Liverpool Football Club, and I love the fact that they sing "You'll Never Walk Alone" at the beginning of the game. It makes me cry when I watch it here uh, in Seattle, and uh, it's just a wonderful football club. And but I, I'm not sure in the Balotelli deal. I think his ego thought I can handle it. Yeah, well, yeah, I agree. I'm not sure he's. I'm, I'm not sure he can be handled. I mean, you know, a clipper would have said to Balotelli, "Hey, big shot, big shot, get on the field in Real Madrid and you know just see if you can play or not." Big shot. That's what he would do. He'd call him a big shot, and he'd, yeah. he'd bully him. He'd bully him into playing. But the problem today, if you said that to a player of Balotelli's standing today, who's got a lot of money in the bank because they get paid a fortune today, he'd go running to his agent. And then he'd, 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 his agent would get on the phone to the chairman and probably say, the manager's not treating my player very well. And yeah. it's a different world. I mean, it's a different world. I mean, Cliffy didn't have to deal with agents. You know, Cliffy no. dealt one-on-one with the players. And Cliffy made some horrendous errors, but he made a lot of great, he, he made a lot of great signings. I mean, to do a great job at Forest and Derby is incredible. Sure. Hey, we all love Liverpool Football Club, but we want Brendan Rodgers to do a good job. But he seems to be, he seems to be struggling right now. To be honest with you. Yeah, yeah agreed. One of only four managers to win the top flight in English football with two different clubs, and it's just for to do with, as you said, Alan, those two small Midlands provincial clubs, Derby County and Nottingham Forest, which is inconceivable today. It make, makes it even more remarkable. You mentioned the end of Dan United, the, the the little vignettes they showed, and one of the things that came up at the very end was Brian, many people think Brian Clough is the greatest manager the England national team never had. Should yep. the FA have given him a chance to be the England manager? Absolutely, absolutely, and um, you know they're doing the same thing now. I mean, I mean, said that. You know, I have a West Ham friend here, a West Ham fan who lives quite near to where I live in Seattle, and he thinks Sam Allardyce would be the best England manager, and he may be right. But, but Sam doesn't have the right kind of accent. Sam's got a, a Dudley uh, West Midlands accent. That's, that's quite near to where I'm from. But, I mean, Cluffy uh, he went, he went for the interview for the job. And you know what they did, don't you? They gave him the use job. Yeah. And they came back. They got the they got the youth job, which was a uh, uh, passing him off, so he wouldn't lose his temper. So they they actually ran the England youth team for a, a couple of games. And Godfrey Ingram, bless him, uh, he he played for me in Tacoma. Lovely, lovely young man, Godfrey. He, he told me he said, yeah. Uh, yeah, he said Cluffy was the manager of the youth team. He said, and he came up to me and he said, hey, young man, what position do you play? And Godfrey said, I'm a striker. And Godfrey said, hey, I'll tell you where you're going to play, so you leave that to me, son. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and Peter Taylor Peter Taylor said, Peter Taylor never wore a tracksuit in his life. Peter Taylor did all the work behind the scenes. Cluffy wore a tracksuit, and uh, we had a trainer named Jimmy Gordon. But Peter Taylor came to me because I was pretty close with Peter, and he said, uh, hey, Alan, he said, they want me to wear a tracksuit. The woman who made a tracksuit as assistant manager of the youth team. He said, I wear a tracksuit. He said, I just I pick players. That's what I do. <laughs> but if they, they, I tell you what, if, if if they would have given him the England job, he would have lit it up. Just like I was sorry when Harry Redknapp didn't get it. I, I thought Harry would have brought some smiles to the team, you know. And let's have some fun with it. I mean, the World Cup was a disaster for England. Can you imagine? Costa Rica won the division with England and Italy. Isn't that an embarrassment? And Roy Hodgson kept his job. Yeah, yeah. I'm not and, sure he's going to keep it much longer, though. At this rate, uh, you know, we're talking with Alan Hinton here on the Yellow Carter Podcast. Stephen, you're up next. You know, I was I was wondering with this. I mean, you see, you've seen the sport grow from the from the seventies on. What would you what would you classify Wendell Donovan as? Is he the best player we've produced in the United States? Well, London Donovan's had a great, he's had a super career. I mean, and to top it off, he went to Everton twice. 
Yep. And they, the Liverpool fans, which are, uh, encompasses both Liverpool and Everton, they loved uh, Landon Donovan there. And we used to watch him on the TV, and uh, he, he did great over there. But, but he was certainly one of the, the best players ever produced in America. Let me ask you a question, young man. Do you think Donovan retired because he didn't go to Brazil? No. I, I just have a, he's a different character. And I, I, maybe I'm reading this as not being someone that's been in the sport that long. Is that I just think he's he's got other things to do. He he's just done. Because I I have a big problem. He just heard me say this a lot. Is that we nowadays? I don't. I my knowledge of the sport as far as watching it is 94 on up is that we really run these players really ragged. They're going from season to the – they're going to country, then they're going to season, they're going to country. That They are just getting tired. And I think I think Landon's at the point where he's just done. He's like, I, I'm young, I can move on, and I've got another life. And, and hopefully, hopefully we hopefully – so What, what, what would you think he's going to do now? Well, you know, hey, Alan, this is Chris. I actually interviewed Landon at the All-Star game, and I asked him that specific question. And his mm-hmm. response, because I, I loaded it up with, do you think you might follow in the shoes of Bruce Arena? And and his first response back was no. And 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 it had to do with, I think he's he's tired of of what goes in with the emotion, the mentality of having to play yeah. at the highest level here in the United States, and then uh, not having that opportunity to play on the World Cup. And I think there's a personality clash there between him and Klinsman. But, uh, but I, he, I know he, that one time uh, Klinsman was really annoyed with Landon. Apparently, Landon wanted a room to himself on the road. Um, yeah. I'm, you, you know, that, well, that doesn't happen. Yeah, and in... in, in well, Klinsman is a very direct kind of guy anyhow, and I don't think Land is like that. But, but I mean, he made it a point to say, no, Bruce, you know, lives football. He lives football during the day and during the yep. night. I can't see myself doing that. What I can see myself doing is working with youth soccer and, and being at the grassroots of the sport. So there's no question he still has great passion for it. But I think the passion that you need, that high level of mentality that that you need to have to compete at the highest level either here or if you translate it to try to play for Everton again, which he probably couldn't anyhow. But uh, I think he's past that point. Well, um, I, my take is, and do you remember the, the quote uh, Bruce Arena made when they didn't pick him in the 22? Bruce said, if there's 22 players in America better than London Donovan, we'll win the World yeah. Cup. I thought that yeah, was a brilliant and, quote. And to be honest with you, I, I like Klinsman. He was clearly a world-class player. I was a good player. I was not world-class. He was world-class in every way. And we all loved him as a player. He was a striker for many top European teams, Bayern, uh, uh, Inter Milan, Tottenham. Uh, wonderful, wonderful player. Germany. Uh, but he seems to be... Uh, he says some strange things, like he's criticized Major League Soccer. Well, I've been to the Sounders practices. I've seen Barcelona practice. I've seen Celtic practice. I've seen Chelsea practice. I've seen Manchester United practice. The practices that Iggy Smith puts on at the Sounders are equal. So if, yeah. a, if, a player, if a player's good enough, and he'll certainly have a chance to get in the first team sooner in CL than he will at Manchester United or these German clubs that... Uh, that Klinsman seems to favor, but look at the, the Andre Yedlin. Yeah, he exactly. Was and, his, he was given his chance early by Ziggy Smith, and and he's and, and now that he's going to Tottenham. Now I'm a big believer in players coming back, but in this instance with the 21 year old kid, I support him going to Tottenham. A, eh? uh, He'll have a he chance to play. Hopefully he'll practice with the first team every day and not get pushed over with the reserve. Sometimes that happens, so I hope that doesn't. But in the end, if he goes over there, he'll make some money for himself. And then if he doesn't make it over there, at least he'll say, I have the chance. And then he'll come back. 
But, but uh, yeah. you know, it's time now for some of these players to come back here. This is a good league now. Look at next year. There's going to be 20 teams, no Chivas, which means the average attendances for the league will go up. You've got New York City, <laughs> Lampard and David Beard, and who else they'll sign? I'm sure they'll sign other star players. You've got Qatar uh, going to Orlando. Then you've got... In the in the West, you've got uh, Kansas City and Houston coming into the West, and then I think down the road you've got a top team with a new stadium coming into LA, which is great, and then you've got Atlanta coming in, who've already sold fourteen thousand season tickets. So the future is very very bright, and I think most clubs now are are producing homegrown players. So you know, Klinsmann to say that. It's better for them to go to Europe than playing Major League Soccer. Doesn't he ever sit in the chair of uh, the Major League Soccer people and say, I'm going to get blasted for talking like this? You know, at times he doesn't seem to be too smart when it comes to the conversation. But And as a coach, I, I'm giving him every chance to be a top man. Uh, was he lucky in the World Cup? Absolutely. He should send off his wages to Tim Howard, who was brilliant. Tim Howard... Tim Howard probably save Klinsman's job. Would you agree with that? I want to think uh, we've got five minutes left. left. I want to thank everybody for being on the show real quick. Alan, I want to thank you for being on the show. I've been been trying to get you on for a a couple months and um, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, Alan Hinton 11. All right. I want to thank you for being on on the show, um, Chris. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not Chris. I mean Ryan. I'm sorry we got you on. We'll have you. We'll have you um, next week. Um, I'm going to make an announcement here because um, one of two things, and this is my show. I'm paying for it, so I'm taking myself completely off air for the next month. Here, here's what the new here's what the new show is. It's going to be Chris Cluck, Ryan Sealock, and Keith Kokinda because obviously me paying for my own show does not get me airtime. So, and March 1st, the Yellow Card Podcast is completely off air. I'm done. I'm done. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for being on the show. And next week, I hope Keith and Chris have a wonderful show. Thank you, guys.